1: It's time for the BallQuest Mailbag Podcast,
2: answering your questions from the General's quarters every week, right here on BallQuest.
1: Good Thursday, everybody, and welcome to the BallQuest Mailbag Podcast. I'm Eric Kane with Austin Price, Brent Hubs, and Rob Lewis, Tennessee and Alabama coming up on Saturday. It's a big one, number six versus number three, and all the eyes on college football will be here in Knoxville. We got plenty of questions for this mailbag edition of the podcast. So let's go ahead and get right into it. Uh, Sam Smith, twenty two thirty three, wants to know how Tennessee is going to counter with the Cheetah package from Bama when Will Anderson Jr., Dallas Turner, Chris Braswell are all on the field at the same time. And then who starts at safety this week, Brent Hubbs. Well, I
3: think when you start, you look at the Cheetah package, I mean, you're going to try to run the football some, try to be physical if you can. Uh, but you're going to get the ball out of your hands quickly. Alabama's going to come from a lot of different directions. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I mean, maybe you run quarterback draw, they get really aggressive uphill. I, I don't, it's not like they're playing 390 pound defensive linemen suddenly in that package, right? I mean, they're, they're physical enough to hold up up there. Um, so I, I think the whole talk of the cheetah package is a little overblown in terms of, um, how how that would alter a lot. I don't know that it would alter a lot there. In terms of the safety position, if if Jalen McCullough can't go, um, then I think you'll see Wesley Walker, and I think you'll see Danico Slaughter. Um, and I think you'll see those guys in some kind of rotation, if you will. Uh, but I think you would start with Wesley Walker because he's got the most experience. He's played the most safety snaps back there. They repped him before he got hurt in the preseason. Now, what do he get, Eric, 20 snaps, 18 snaps, something like that in the game against LSU?
1: Yeah, yeah, something like that. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, Rob Lewis, Nike underscore Vol, Does UT have the best wide receiver group in the SEC?
0: They may have the most productive wide receiver group. I don't know, if, like, if, if an NFL scout think it's the best wide receiver room I don't know about that. But when Tillman's healthy, I, I don't. I mean, is it just recency bias because we see them all the time? I don't know. That I would take anybody over him over Tillman. McCoy and, and and Hyatt, for what we've seen in the last couple of weeks, I mean, Brew McCoy is balling out.
2: Yeah, uh, I, for me, I, I think there are other wide receivers that are on par with any of those players in the league, right? But from a collective group, that's probably where I do give them the edge because I don't know if anybody is, is, is has a three man, three headed monster can you know lose one guy and not miss a beat the way Tennessee likes to play like Tennessee does.
0: And the, the, and the guy who's made the best play, the play of the year, doesn't even start. I mean, Ramel Keaton's yeah. you know, catch against, against Florida is, is is the best play that my group has made.
3: Well, and the other thing, too, is I think when, anytime you talk about the best group of wide receivers, you're always going to look and see about the quarterback play, right? I, I think we'd all agree that that – that Booty at LSU is as talented as anybody in the league. Maybe the most talented guy in the league. They can't give him the ball. They can't give him the ball down the field. So you got to have quarterback play, too, and Tennessee's getting great quarterback play, which is allowing those receivers to really thrive. Um, and, and I think Tennessee receivers in this system are always going to be extremely productive as well, Austin. You're
2: right, and and, and here's the thing you got to remember. What Ron Rivera said earlier this week is exactly true. It, it, it's a quarterback-driven game. You know, I mean, like, when, when you're average there, you better be a, just a total dominating force everywhere else, offensive line, defense, everything else. But you can just be kind of okay in those other areas. You got a good quarterback that can drive, drive, the, drive the train. I mean, it, it changes everything. So, I mean, I'm with you. I mean, you know, the LSU, you know, booty is awesome. But when you don't have anybody to get you the ball, it don't matter how good you are.
3: Now, I'll say this, Jalen Hyatt, had a good quarterback throwing him the ball last year and he wasn't playing like this. Okay. And and so I don't want to take anything away from the growth of those guys I and mean, what Jalen Heights done in a year's time, I, I think is just a terrific story. Brew McCoy as Rob mentioned Eric is balling out and, and to be able to not miss a beat with the guy that is the security blanket. And when he got hurt, when Cedric Tillman got hurt against Akron, everybody was like, Oh, great gasp. And Tennessee's not missed a beat through two weeks. Now they need him back. And, and they're better when they get him back. But but to not miss the beat, that, that tells you they're pretty deep at the receiver spot.
1: Yeah, and again, other guys stepping up as well. It's, it's been really impressive to watch. Uh, Tennessee's collective group is really, really good together with, of course, Hendon Hooker. Austin, let's go back to you. Zuzafal wants to know if there's any new smoke on Carnell Tate.
2: Well, we'll see if he makes it here this weekend. You know, um, the, uh, he, I think the, the plan is for him to be here. We'll see. Uh, you never know. I mean, the plan early in the week was Keldrick Falk was coming, and then Florida State shut that down. So, you know, uh, we'll see if, you know, Ohio State gets him to not come or whatever happens. Um, if he makes it here, then that's, you know, obviously a great sign that Tennessee's at least going to get one last swing here with him. Um, he, he, he really likes Kelsey Pope a, a, a great deal. And, you know, I think, you know, sees the production in this offense, but he also sees the production at Ohio State. It's not like, He's saying it's it, like Tennessee's going up against LSU where they can't move the ball. I mean, Ohio State's been up a million points and a million yards. All these first round draft picks. Um, yeah. You know, I said it, you know, I've, I've said it before. I'll say it again. The best thing that can happen to Josh Heupel and everyone is Cedric Tillman get drafted really high. Right. You know, if Darnell Wright decides to go, he get drafted really high. Like that stuff matters because kids watch that type of thing, you know, and if somebody's getting drafted in the fourth round versus the first round, It's you know, and they kids pay attention to it.
1: Let's go to Do Little Vol. Couple questions here. Does an eleven and one Tennessee team without an SEC championship game appearance make the playoff? And is a ten and two Tennessee team almost guaranteed to play in the Sugar Bowl?
2: Uh, The 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 ten and two team is in the year six. That's a lock. Uh, Eleven and one, no appearance in the SEC championship game. It depends, hubs. If 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 Tennessee loses to Alabama. And then Alabama loses to Georgia and you've got three 11 and ones, you know, or whatever, then no. But if, if like, if Tennessee were to, let's say Tennessee beats Alabama, but then loses to Georgia, so they don't make it to, the, to Atlanta, and then, then Alabama loses to Georgia and they got two losses, then, yeah. Tennessee's going over Alabama, even though they won the West.
3: Yeah, but you also got to figure out who else around the country is yes. is, is getting there. I mean, where, where's Michigan? Where's Ohio State? What's USC look like? I mean, there's a lot of variables there. Um, it's not a it's not a lock for sure that that the SEC Rob gets two teams into the playoffs. So I, I think the mud, the waters are more muddy there than it is. A ten and two team in a New York six I, or New Year's six. I don't know that ten and two is an automatic to the Sugar Bowl because the the New Year six can play out a lot of different ways. But the playoff thing, there's just there's just too much stuff on the outside that could affect what happens with how many teams the league gets in.
0: Yeah, and call me crazy, and just, we just had an off weekend where we get to watch a lot of football. Tennessee. I mean, I, I wouldn't have thought that I would say this two months ago, but Tennessee's as good as Clemson or USC. Both those teams run TV Saturday night. Uh, Tennessee could play with either one of those teams. Uh, if, they, if they played in the SEC, those, those are not two top ten teams, in my opinion. I could be crazy. And as far as the New Year's Six go, I think that Tennessee has to watch out for. Or Tennessee fans have to watch out for is Ole Miss, and uh, undefeated right now. That that's who Tennessee. I mean, I, I, I'm like AP said, it's a New Year's Six game, but it could be the Orange, could be the Sugar. And you know, what would what would the sugar Bowl do if Ole Miss and Tennessee are both sitting there 10 and 2?
2: Well, a perfect example if if uh, and here's the thing about Ole Miss. Like you're gonna find out a lot about them. Like their their resume right now is not very good. But their last like four or five games is a murderer's row. So can they win those games? If they win those games, then their resume gets really, really good, really, really fast. They could also finish eight and four and no one would think twice about it. So I mean, the the last month of the season for Ole Miss will tell the tale, one way or the other. Um, And and here's the other thing to remember. What's the Big Ten get? Does the Big Ten get two? From a playoff standpoint. Yeah, yeah. from a playoff standpoint. If they get two, then that opens up the Rose Bowl. Because there's not a – to me, there's not a third Big Ten team. Like, I know you might say Penn State, but I think they'll – if the Big Ten's getting two, that means Penn State's falling off against Ohio State and Michigan and losing more games which means they're not going to be a really a real option there uh to be a third team in the New Year's 6 in my opinion. So that's a real question for me. Like you know, does does the does the Rose Bowl end up with two team or a non Big 10 pack or Big 10 pack 12 team in that game.
0: However, he just wants to play Riviera that's that's it. That's the only reason that, that I don't think that's very realistic at all.
2: No, 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 no. I'm not saying for Tennessee, but what I'm saying though is it shifts other things around. Oh, no question. It, no, it, no, it, you're, which, you're right. Which, okay. You know what I'm saying? Like it, yeah. it opens up, it opens up somebody else to go out there, which means that Tennessee could end up going somewhere else. I, I'm just saying it could shift things around. I've told you guys for the last two weeks, if Tennessee could somehow find a way to a New Year's Six Bowl, I I really worry that uh, you know what are the oh, first off what are the playoff games this year? I'm uh, right. a, a Peach Bowl is one of them. Peach so Bowl for
3: that. sure one. Yeah, there you go. You're, so, you're okay, AP. You're, you're not going to get stuck in Atlanta for New Year's. Well, that's why I year's kept saying, I'm like, if, the Vols, okay? if the,
2: the Vols, if I've been waiting for, for this moment for 15 years, and then, yes, that's right, the playoff game's in Atlanta.
3: So, you know, yeah, I mean, here, here's the thing, Eric, and I know we got to get to other questions. Here, here's the thing going for, for Tennessee when it comes to any New Year's Six Bowl out there. They'll be as coveted as anybody because of what you saw in Baton Rouge with, with the fans taking over the stadium, what you saw on Twitter in New Orleans. Every tourism group out there is going, hey, can we get that orange team to come to our city? Because they're going to bring everybody and their brother because they haven't been there. So there's a real attraction to Tennessee from that standpoint. They will be outside of a playoff team. They will be the most coveted team in the SEC when it comes to bowl season.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's why the, the all, you know the, the Florida Bulls wanted Tennessee down there every single time. The last couple of years it's been bowl eligible because the fan base does travel. Uh, let's go to King Redneck 22 It's hard to tell if it's coaching or play calling, but it seems like the front four are able to get to the quarterback better now than that of the beginning of the season, considering they had five sacks against LSU. Am I wrong to think it's a little bit of both uh, coaching and uh, play calling?
3: No, I mean, I think it is, and I think it was also aided by the fact that LSU's not real good on their offensive front. I, I don't think Tennessee's going to run, Rob, a, a stunt and get five sacks out of a stunt call the way that they did, uh, you know, against LSU this week against Alabama. So I give Tim Banks and the staff credit. They found something that worked, and they and they, they wore it out. Um, but they were aided a little bit by the, off- by, by the LSU offensive line, and Tennessee's defensive line under Rodney Garner, no surprise, is getting better.
0: Yeah, and a couple of injuries up front for LSU. Where I, you know, I, don't, I don't think that's going to be the case this week with Alabama. They'll keep, be coming in full strength. But to, 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 to Tennessee's credit, I mean, we talked all the whole month of August about they've got to be able to rush the passer. they got to be able to rush the passer. And, you know, five, five weeks into the season, in, in their big games, they, they've done a good job of that. They were great at Pittsburgh. They were great last week at LSU. And, you know, they're, they're better there like we all thought like we all said they had to be
1: hsv vol what's your offensive and defensive mvp for the victory on saturday and a percentage uh to flip keldrick falk
2: just as flip keldrick falk is zero he's not coming here this weekend so you know i don't think they have a real percentage chance to flip keldrick falk um offensive and defensive mvps to this point uh um, for the game saturday oh for yeah, the game for, for the game for, saturday yeah. Well, I talked about this in the in, – you know, I'm going to go Josh Heupel on, on both sides just because from a belief system. I know I know that's a cop-out answer because it's easy to just go Hendon Hooker, Brew McCoy, Byron Young. But I just think it just comes down to belief in a game like this, going in, believing you can win. Like, I think Tennessee believes they can win. Like, I'm not sure other Tennessee teams believe they could beat uh, Alabama. I think Tennessee goes into this game believing they can win. We did Tennessee Prime. The other night, and I, 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 I Swain with the kids on the show, I said, "Are you taking a cigar just in case?" And I, both guys were just flabbergasted. "Just in case," they said. And, and he goes, "Did you hear that, Big O? And I sure did, Sprags. I mean, like they, they believe they are ever bit the favorite in this game as much as Alabama is. Like again, confidence, not cockiness. Just they got a belief system that what they're doing is working and they're going to keep doing what they're doing. So I'll go with just Josh Heupel. I know that's the cop-out answer, but it's easy to say the
1: ones we just named. I'm surprised you even phrased that question that way. Like, of course they're going to say that. No, no. Well, well, I, I phrased it to Swain. Okay, to Swain. To gotcha.
2: Swain. Are you ta- now, I mean, ask the guys if they're taking a cigar. Okay. Swain, okay. is he taking a cigar to the stadium? And, 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 you know, and, and, but it is what it is. I, again, I've got it as, as having kids on the show, I got to make sure they don't put their foot in their mouth. Yeah. You know, So, I mean, I sat down with Darnell, I sat down with Darnell and he gave me an unbelievable
1: quote and I will not use it because <laughs> it just is not, not helpful to him. That is a good quote. I know which one you're talking about. Uh, anybody else for the, for a win on Saturday MVP?
3: Yeah, for me, me, it's the left tackle position for Tennessee because Will Anderson's going to line up in multiple spots, and and I think that Alabama will try to attack the left tackle. So how does the left tackle spot hold up? Gerald Minstey, Jeremiah Crawford, what do they do there at left tackle to to handle Will Anderson? Um, Alabama likes to overload on that side. You know, they got to communicate well, but I think that left tackle spot on offense is going to be key to allow Hendon Hooker to be able to operate. And then defensively, Anybody on the defensive line that can get to, to the quarterback and cause and cause some quarterback issues, I think. I mean, the whole secondary's got to play better. But Rob, to me, they kind of are what they are, so they got to help have help up front. That's why I'll go with the defensive lineman as the key for Saturday.
0: Yeah, I I don't really have anything to add to that, and I, I just will follow your point. Like we're five games into the year, I don't see a dramatic improvement coming from the secondary. I mean, I think they can get better, but the best way to help those guys is with a pass rush.
1: To add on, got to run the football. Would love to have a good running game, something you couldn't do against Alabama and Georgia last year, so I'll say Jabari Small as well. That's um, something you haven't been able
3: to do in about a decade and a half against Alabama.
1: Yeah, exactly. Let's go to Thunder Duck 17 Wright coughed up another one against LSU. Luckily, it went out of bounds. Samson might have been the main reason Hooker took that big shot. He was. Uh, Who is going to struggle to get out of the doghouse more? A guy that can't be trusted to protect the football or a guy that can't be trusted to protect the quarterback guys. I I feel like for me, I mean, for pass protection from a running back standpoint, especially young running back standpoint, I mean, it just takes time, right? I mean, and Hendon Hooker spoke on that earlier this week saying that they talked about it. They watched the film, everybody makes mistakes. It is what it is. The thing with Jalen Wright. I mean, it's, it's, it's most of those haven't been turnovers, but still you, you put that football on the ground. Eventually, it's going to be turnover. So I would go Jalen Wright in this situation. Obviously, you can't, Rob. You can't just keep putting the football on the ground.
0: No, I mean to me, it's easy. I mean, you can learn your your pass protection. I mean, if you're if you're a fumbler, I mean, I'm not I'm not putting that label on Jalen Wright yet. But if you're, a, I mean, look at Melvin Jordan with the different Broncos. I mean, he he's a fantastic running back, and he's he's a fumbler has been his entire career. And you. you just, Comes a point to me where there's a trust level there. I mean, I, we we've all met Dylan Sampson and spoken with him, and we've heard coaches rave about him. I I think that kid. I, I I bet that's one of the last times that happens. I mean, I I think you know having having met him and seen how conscientious he is. I yeah, I think that I agree was, with Rob on this. I mean, I I, th- I think that was a stark teaching moment for now him. Now you
1: might get beat one play, but you yeah, I might mean, out not going. To, that, yeah, that was an MA, MA. Just never
0: seen, never see the guy. I'll be surprised if that if that happens to him again. I don't want to say it, you know, it, it could happen some in the next three years. But I, I think that was a really stark moment for him.
3: Well, and I think too, the quarterback's going to make sure he knows who he's got too. <laughs> Once that happens, I think Hendon Hooker is going to. I mean, he's standing right beside him, right? I think Hendon Hooker is going to make sure that he knows. As for this game, Jalen Wright's going to be the first running back off the bench. Uh, you know he, He's going to play before Dylan Sampson in this game. Long term, I think the upside for Dylan Sampson is really good, but I think the question was, what do you do in this game? Uh, I think they're going to go with Jalen Wright. Jalen Wright fumbles. He might not get back on the field, but, but I think it's going to be Jabari Small, uh, and then the rotation will be with Jalen Wright as the number two guy.
1: Rob A 22 after all these years of watching Saban's defenses how do you think he and his staff will try to defend uh, Tennessee's offense or better yet uh you have his defense how do you play how would you play uh Tennessee on Saturday if you're Alabama Brand I think you said early in the week that going to get multiple looks uh, switching things up try to bring pressure I mean just you know the normal stuff but I, I think for a guy like Hooker, you got to show him different looks throughout the uh, throughout the ball game yeah, I mean, I think they'll come after him. I think they'll
3: be aggressive. Um, now, if they think they can get, you know, get home to Hendon Hooker with with Will Anderson off the edge and not have to blitz a ton, then then maybe that's the way they go. But but I think you'll see Alabama be aggressive here um, and, and and come after Hendon Hooker. I don't think they're going to sit back and rush three and 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 drop eight. I, I just I, I'll be surprised if that's the way that they go about it. They may show that look some Austin, but I think they're going to be more aggressive than anything else. Well,
2: again. If Bryce Young is able to play, he's going to be limited, you know, um, and will be dealing with pain, as, as uh, Greg McElroy said. If he's not able to play, obviously it changes him even more. So I think that, that they are lean on the defense a lot. Why would you not? Like you got a really good defense, you bring pressure, you let Will Anderson do his thing, see if you can force Tennessee into an uncharacteristic turnover, or at least Hendon Hooker into an uncharacteristic turnover. Um, and, and get some momentum that way. The last thing you want to do is have to play from behind with a quarterback that's either injured or your backup or, or third-string quarterback.
1: Let's go to Joey Mack, 85-81. Do you think in how Hypel schemes up opponents it gives Tennessee automatically seven points going into any game? This coach seems very bright and cutting edge with his offense, almost like C- Steve Spurrier. Uh, that effect from the 1990s. I wouldn't say seven points, Rob Lewis, but I think Josh Heupel's got a, at least a couple every single game, to where it's just a beautiful play design that gives Tennessee an edge. But I don't know if it's you know a touchdown every single game. Yeah,
0: I mean, I don't know if you can quantify it, but yeah, just I, mean, I think Hubbard coined the phrase, or at least the first time I heard it. He, he schemes people open. I mean, like Ruben Coy last week in the third quarter at LSU. This, like something like that, seems to happen every single game. We're, I mean, like, they've seen something on film where they, either through formation or motion, they, they, they get a, they know what they're looking for, they get a matchup, and boom, you know, somebody's lined up. You know, Jacob Warren against Florida, McCoy against LSU. I mean, you just, you don't see those things every time you watch a college football game. and you, see, you seem to see a player or two like that every time Tennessee plays.
3: Yeah, I don't think it guarantees you seven points, Austin, because you got to throw it, you got to go execute it, but... I mean, name me a game this year or or in Josh Heupel's career at Tennessee where he's not had a receiver wide open running through the secondary. I mean, they had one against Georgia last year. They misconnected on it, you know, early in the game uh, where Georgia got a bust. I mean, I I can't think of a game where they didn't have someone wide open vertically down the field.
2: Yeah, and it's not always a wide receiver. I mean, go back to the Florida game. I mean, they threw that wheel route to to Jacob Warren and, I mean – you and I could have ran that round <laughs> like in seven two forties. Um I, yeah, I mean, every every game he's got a guy or two. And, and let's not just give it to Josh hypo let's give it to Alex Golish too. Agreed. You know, I think Alex Golish is a fantastic offensive mind. Um, you know, and, and he'll be a head coach sooner rather than later. Um, you know, so I, we'll see if how, you know, kind of I guess methodical he is, you know, when the, when a job comes open, not just to take a job, to take a job, but you know, take the right job. Um, but, you know, I think when you put, put the combination of those two, it does give Tennessee a real chance to win. And Joey Halsey a very smart guy too.
1: Especially Halsey. I mean, he's been with Heupel for like 14 years too. So, like, it, it truly is just an extension of your head coach. Yeah.
0: You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy.
1: we are do it later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Okay, uh, K and 3's got a couple here. I'm going to answer the first one. How many of the freshman defensive linemen not named Joshua Joseph's? How are they doing? Pierce looks like he's getting a lot of run on special teams. Any chance he gets more involved in the defense? Uh, Maybe as the season goes on, but in terms of playing a role in the defense, not right now. He has looked really good on special teams. Uh, Tyree uh, Tyree West, uh, not Weathersby, West has a role on this this defense, uh, getting some run in the pass rushing situations, a little bit more each week. Uh, Jordan Phillips and and Jason Jenkins. um, They seem like they're destined for red shirts. Yeah, exactly. So, and I'm not missing a freshman defensive lineman, am I? I don't think so. Okay. Hope that answers that one. Uh, Let's go to the offensive line, freshman offensive line uh, staff. uh, Anybody think they can help there? Will Grant be a contributor? Uh, I would assume this is for down the line, Brent, because none of those freshman offensive linemen are going to contribute right now. No, No. and,
3: and, and the reality is, Austin, that's just a position that, I mean, you get spoiled when Aaron Sears plays as a freshman and, you know, I mean, Darnell Wright—they threw out there as a freshman. He was big enough to hold his own, but I mean, he—he he wasn't ready. I mean, that—that's there's not a lot of guys who truly come in ready. That's a developmental position from a mental standpoint. Um, Tennessee obviously needs to stay healthy, wants to stay healthy, so that they don't have to dig deep into that into that world right now. Uh, so none of those guys should, you know, that if, if they're playing this fall, something bad's happened.
1: Yeah,
3: yeah, For, like really, really bad. Like, I mean,
2: I'm talking like. Wh- earth ending type things. Um, you know, they're just not ready and they're so far buried down. The, I mean, the, the guy that's highest on the dev chart is Addison Nichols. I, I you know, could if, if the right injury happened, I could see Tennessee pushing him to be ready at guard.
1: They like Masai Reddick down the line. Brian Grant has everything you want in terms of intangibles. You just got to beef him up a little bit and teach him how to play. So uh, we'll see. Webb was a huge pull last year. Wide receiver. Obviously snaps are few and far between for those guys. Uh, but do the coaches like what they've seen from him so far? Austin, anything on or, – or Brent, anybody? Caleb Webb?
2: Um, just kind of buried. I mean, Tennessee's gotten back into that kind of three to three-and-a-half, four-man rotation. And, you know, uh, he'll have to earn it again in spring practice. I mean, I think they like him. They love Chaz, Chaz Nimrod. I was going to say, before the injury, he,
1: he was the freshman that, that was, you know, looking good, looking the best. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's
2: been hampered with the, with the foot deal. So, um yeah, I, I think those guys, their time is, is coming down the line. The real question is, is like, you know, here we are, it's year two hubs, same thing, a little real small rotation going to next year. In theory, you know, Tillman's gone, but I mean Brew could be back, Hyatt could be back. <laughs> I mean, like if you're gonna stick with that small man rotation, it's you know, it, it makes things harder for some of those guys to get on the field and work their way onto the field.
3: Well, and I mean the other thing too is if you're going to go tempo, Rob, you can't get those guys. You can't get other guys on the field. You got to put them out there for the start of a series. Cause if you make that first, first down and you're going fast, you're not subbing cause you're trying to keep the defense on the field. So it's almost, it's a different type of rotation because you rotate per series right now. I don't know that Alex Gullis wants to start many series without those big three on the field.
0: Yeah, I, I, that's a great point. I think it's interesting because it makes it, you just can't work guys in, and I think you know because because if they go in, you know, barring a timeout or you know something, they're, they're going to play the whole series. And I bring this up because I, it's pretty clear last from what we saw last week, they like Squirrel White. They're not afraid to play Squirrel White, but it, he went in and they had two plays for him. It, I mean, I, I, I'm guessing, you know, they had the reverse and the, and the little you know the, the the nifty little pass they threw for the third down conversion. So, to, to your point, I unless they really love a guy, it's going to be hard to play because when you go out there, you're going to be out there until you putt or score.
1: The Vol father, new member of the site, first time uh, contributing, first time caller here, so welcome to the site. Got a couple of questions. I'm, I'm going to jump here to his second one. If Tennessee comes in and wins Saturday inside Neyland, what will the expectations be following the victory over Bama and Nick Saban? <laughs> Just I, win every game yeah yeah <laughs> unbeaten <laughs> yeah unbeaten for sure um p.s we don't give us a damn about the whole state of alabama nice nice touch there uh terry chimes in when tennessee wins on saturday uh far away will it have the best resume in college football so far this season will hooker be a top two heisman contender will hype will be the leading candidate for national coach of the year uh brent how many times have you pinched yourself this week <laughs> have i pinched myself yeah
3: I haven't pinched myself um I don't have any reason to pinch myself so no that that's that's not taking place i look you know rob said it best and you guys said it best on, on the rocky top round table it, it it's it's been a fun week and it is a fun week because it's not a week of dread right because Tennessee's not a 17 point underdog and you're going you know just get through this week and move on because they got no chance to win so there's no doubt that um it's enjoyable over the fact that, that this is a ball game where Tennessee has a legitimate shot to win the football game.
2: Yeah, I, I think for me, um, you know, it, it's just it, – it helps, you know, just kind of build build the brand back up. I mean, t- how long t- has have, have Tennessee fans waited for this? I've talked about this for the last couple of years. Look at all the teams in this league that have gotten the double-digit wins. Tennessee is the next-to-last team since its last one double-digit wins, I believe. Um, Vanderbilt being the longest. I mean, the Vols haven't won double-digit games since 2007. They haven't won more than eight since 2007. They haven't even won nine in the regular. I'm talking about the regular season. I'm, I'm not talking about tacking on a low-tail bowl game. Um, you know, to, to have this kind of momentum, be 5-0, and zero, have game day here, if they do win, I, I expect them to go rocketing up way higher than six and eight, respectively, uh, because I do think their resume drastically changes with a win over Alabama. Again, yeah. this is Alabama though, and, and 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 I caution everyone. Alabama thrives on being this team that comes in there and just rips your soul out. Everybody's talking, oh the balls, everybody's picking the balls. Josh Payton's picking the balls. J D. Pekel's picking the balls. Oh, everybody loves hug. Alabama thrives on that. Yep. And I'm not saying I not I don't know who I'm, who I'm picking as of now. I think it's gonna be a really close football game. I really do. But at the same time, like Alabama will be motivated by all this chatter and talk about Tennessee right,
0: all week long. Yeah, H- Hubbard, I just For the first time in a long time, I don't feel like the highlight of my week, Bama week, is going to be escorting Austin Price to the Whataburger off off, off Highway 280 in Hoover on the way (laughs) way back from Tuscaloosa.
3: Yeah, it it feels different. Listen, if if Tennessee beats Alabama, I mean, I don't know about top two, but Hendon Hooker's got a great shot to be in New York as a finalist for the Heisman Trophy. And, And Josh Heupel can certainly be in the conversation for National Coach of the Year. Uh doesn't mean he's a lock to get it. We'll see what happens with other teams. But, but you know, it, the more you win, the more you put yourself in those conversations. And, and if Tennessee were to win, they would definitely be in those conversations with those other two points.
1: Got some recruiting here from Hockey 1608. Any other committed players considering Tennessee besides Keith Khalifa and Aiden Williams? Uh, Austin, I would add Dante Dowell, the running back commit of Oregon, into that conversation right now. Anybody else?
2: Yeah, he's coming in this weekend uh, again. Tennessee should get Keith and Dow in this weekend try to figure out what they want to do at the running back position um you know see who they can potentially flip or you know you know kind of get the ear of um, but yeah I mean those are the main the main guys I expect here this weekend uh, minus you know you know the, the big ones with Tamarion Parker coming in town you know David Hobbs coming in town but those guys are not committed anywhere.
1: Any other players to keep an eye on in terms of getting an offer soon or any players in this class that might not be in this class when it's all said and done, if you haven't already read between the lines there?
2: Yeah, I mean, I just have a tough time seeing Will Stallings in this class. But, I mean, again, we kind of thought that when they took him, you know. um, And it it certainly seems like, you know, Tennessee's recruiting past him with all these running backs they're looking
1: at. Rob, in your opinion, what has allowed this UT staff to seemingly turn things around so quickly where previous staffs, Dooley, Jones, Pruitts, have failed? I mean,
0: I'm, I'm not in the building every day, but from the outside looking in, it's the, it's the head coach. I mean, I, I, he, he doesn't act like he's the smartest guy in the room, and I think he probably is usually the smartest guy in the room. And I, we've talked about this, and I don't – being a great player does not – lead to being a great coach at all, ever. But I think in Josh Heupel's case, it's it's a real benefit. Like, I, I think his played experience at, and his experience, with, you know, dealing with the media as, you know, the face of an Oklahoma team that, you know, won a national championship, I think all that stuff informs the way he coaches, informs the way he runs a program. I just I, – I think it's the head coach. I mean, I you think- don't think
1: Butch could relate?
0: Uh, no, don't get me started. AP, AP taser me, AP. <laughs> <laughs> and
3: listen, here, here's the other thing too in that, and I agree 100% with Rob, the speed up process with all of this is the quarterback. And and yep. and, and you, the, the quarterback takes what Josh hypel's getting and it speeds everything up because you get good quarterback play, which is a bit ironic because this is not a quarterback Josh Heupel went out and got, okay, in Hendon Hooker. He was here. Tennessee liked him so much they went and got Joe Milton to add to depth. Joe Milton became the starter. But Tennessee got Hendon Hooker to turn it loose. And that's a credit to Joey Halsley. That's a credit to Alex Golish. That's a credit to Josh Heupel. When they get, when Hendon Hooker got his shot, he went out and played, and they instilled enough confidence in him to what, what's, what's Halsley always say, rip it. They instilled the confidence in him to do what he wouldn't do in spring practice, right? Everything was a check down in that first spring ball. They got him to rip it, and as a result, Hendon Hooker has emerged as a much better player, and it's elevated and sped up the process of rebuilding for Josh Heupel in this program.
1: Yeah, I mean that was that was practice number fourteen. That orange and white game way back when or whatever. He looked awful, but it was his fourteenth practice with the staff at Tennessee and everything. And well,
2: um, it was right though. He did. He just checked. It. It was like yeah, Bridgewater just checking it down, checking it down.
1: Uh, AP Gator Dog wants to know 2025 quarterback George McIntyre. Is he a mobile quarterback? I can answer that probably not. Uh, are the coaches high on him? He came in camp, pick up an offer this uh, this past summer. He's 2025, he's an in state guy. I think Tennessee likes him right now.
2: Yeah, they just offered him uh, last month. I think it was August or September, um, you know, early September. I think, yeah, he had played about three games, uh, but yeah, he came in camp. Tennessee liked him then, for whatever reason, didn't offer, but then about three games into his senior year, they pulled the trigger and offered. Um, yeah, he's very, very much a high priority for Tennessee.
1: Brett Lawyer wants to know, Tennessee has several players over 22 years old. How much have these older players contributed to the su- success this year? A lot. Uh, look at your quarterback, almost about to be 25. <laughs> Do you think these older players have allowed Tennessee to compete with five stars who are inexperienced 100%? Uh, will more teams try to keep older players to compete with the Alabamas and the Georges? I just experience. Is the best thing you can be in terms of a college football team. I mean, I would take, I would take a a you know a twenty two year old senior or whatever, uh, with his you know veteran leadership, battle wounds, all that type of stuff. And if he's the same right now as a five star freshman, I mean, you want to go with the vet, right? A five star freshman will turn into a much better player likely with some development, but you just can't coach you can't teach experience. Brent Hubs and look at Tennessee. I mean, these aren't all stars, but Jacob Warren, Princeton Fan. Latrell Bumpus, Hendon Hooker is an all-star. I mean, guys like that, they played a ton of football, and that's big. That's a big reason for the success for Tennessee.
3: Well, I I think that, you know, experience counts in in a lot of positions. There are some positions where you don't have to have experience. Freshman running backs, if he's got the tools, he's a freshman running back. Jamal Lewis, as a freshman, was better than Mark Levine as a senior. You know, I mean, talent's talent at certain positions. I think the interesting thing with the age thing, Rob, is we're in – we're in a world where it's an anomaly because of the COVID stuff. You're not going to see 24, 25 year old football players three or four years from now. Once we get past that extra COVID year for everybody,
0: yeah, I, that that was what I was going to say. I think it, it's an anomaly. You're not going to see it again in the future. I mean, you're not going to see Latrell Bumpus. You're not going to see you know Hendon Hooker here at 24 years old. It's it's a COVID thing.
1: So, TexVal, these college game days are a huge marketing tool for the university, not just for the team. Who is in control and handles the logistics, locations, taking care of ESPN crew, etc.
3: Oh, it's it's, uh, it's the kid, the guy who's the former manager that that just came back from Texas as the operations guy. Who replaced a retired David Elliott, and his name has completely escaped me, and I'm very sorry because he's a great he's a great guy, but his name just escapes me. Uh, But there's a lot of people involved with that. But but you know you got to work with your university because you got to get campus cleared so they can get set up up on Ayers Hall. I mean that is not an easy task, and there has been a ton of meetings, Zoom calls, conference calls this week because you got SEC Nation also coming in. Uh, I mean, th- th- sports information's involved with it. There is a lot, a lot of logistical stuff that takes place here. Correct me if
1: I'm wrong, Brent, but College Game Day could not be at that that set that that works for SEC Nation because it's a little bit smaller. But I mean, they wanted Game Day to be there two weeks ago, but they just couldn't because it wasn't big enough.
3: Where's that at, at the ramp at Thompson? Yeah, no, nah, I know mean, those game. that that set's become so big. The only place it's going on campus is Ayers Hall. Yeah um circle park is is, is too big of a tailgating a, area Yeah, it's, it's such a tailgating area now with donors and people are paying high money to go there they're not gonna they're not gonna kick all those people out um you've got vol village over at humanities you could do it there but you're not going to move that around airs Hall gives you the great backdrop that you want and you've got to have a you've got to have a footprint that big i mean it gone are the days when um rob they, they could set it up on the ramp of of thompson bowling
0: arena I mean, it's, of, it's,
3: it's it's a total different deal
0: or take out a few party spots on the top of g10 yeah it's, it's
3: just a total different deal now
1: right, we're going to end on this one this is checkerboard friend zone what is your predicted point differential if Bryce Young were to play versus if he doesn't do you think he's injured enough that he will that that'll impact his play um, AP you can kick us off here I, I don't think he'll be 100% if he plays um I don't have a point differential but I do think that I think Na- he's worth 10 to 14 points I think okay. he's worth
0: I think he's worth 21 like if, if he's healthy which I don't think he is but I mean a healthy if, if the healthy Bryce Young plays against Texas A&M last week I could easily see Alabama getting 45 cuz I don't I don't think they had three or four turnovers like they did and just yeah. The, the young receivers are, are not we've talked about this. That I mean they're they're super talented, but they're not what they have been in the past. And you know, Bryce Young I, I think makes makes that young receiving core a lot better than they are right now.
3: Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. I mean I, I think that I think the confidence that they play with, well, we've talked about it. We talked about what Hendon Hooker means um to to, to Tennessee. And, and i think bryce young means that to, to alabama i mean i if you take hendon hooker out of tennessee's offense how many points are you going to take away no offense to joe milton but you're going to take a lot of points away and i think bryce 14 young,
2: baby joe milton for life
3: I, you know I, I just i think that, that that bryce young because of the confidence and the talent means that much to them by the way event management director's name james barr sorry james i file. i apologize for losing that in my head there. So I give you a little shout out today. Good luck to you this weekend because you got your you got your hands full with everything that's in town this weekend, Eric Kane.
1: Yep, it's a huge week, huge weekend coming up here on the banks of the Tennessee River, on campus, Tennessee, and Alabama. Uh, we got full coverage all week long. We've had a good week so far. It's been a fun week, as you guys have already pointed out, and uh, it's going to be a fun weekend, and you can have it all at ballquest.com, $1 for one year. It's Bama Week. No better time to join us, $1 for one year. And, of course, uh, pound that like button, subscribe on the YouTube channel as well. For Awesome Price, Brent Hubbs, Rob Lewis, I'm Eric Kane. This has been the BallQuest Mailbag Podcast. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday, everybody. You've been listening to the BallQuest Mailbag Podcast
2: every week right here on BallQuest.